1: Welcome once again to They Must Be Destroyed On Site," a movie podcast, Uh, normally, primarily hosted by Lee. Say hi, Lee. Hello. And I'm usually the co-host, but today we're going to let me lead. Yay, or not. I don't know. It might lead for a slightly different podcast, but we'll see. Um, Our friend Paul may or may not be joining us. We haven't heard from him yet, but if Mm -hmm. he joins in, then we will uh, see what he has to say about... Uh, sexy movies, uh, sex comedies, uh, we're, we're talking about three sex comedies from the, uh, 80s to early 90s, Mm -hmm. uh, tonight, we're going to do, uh, Ski Patrol, and Zapped and Zapped Again, and both of those titles have exclamation points at the end, in case you're Googling, because (laughs) when you Google Zapped, it turns out there was a 2014 Disney Channel movie, also called Zapped. That's not the one we're talking about. That's probably for a future podcast, maybe. Like, we'll talk about
0: yeah. uh, Disney uh, Channel films. They, they, keep, they keep their clothes on in that
1: film. Right, right. Uh, which, ironically, uh, you know... They do in Ski Patrol as well, which I had Mm -hmm. uh, forgotten. But uh, we'll get into that um, here shortly, I think. Thanks for uh, doing this, and uh, hopefully uh, we're going to enjoy me leading today. But uh, I think first, do you want to start talking about the actor that we've chosen um, to talk about today?
0: Yeah, uh, recent sad news, Robert Zadar, very well-loved genre actor as far as horror, sci-fi, exploitation films go passed away at age 64. He he's very well known uh mostly not only because of his movies but of course of his his prominent jawline. He was he was a a guy who uh, was born with uh cherubism, which is a medical condition resulting in enlarged jawlines. Uh some people don't have is uh, extreme a case as uh, Mr. Zadar did. He was before he was an actor. He was a Chicago police officer. He briefly worked as a Chippendales dancer. Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, um, I do. I do believe that. Uh, he he was a big guy. I mean, he was he was six two in his in his prime. He was very well built. When you look at his early films, uh, his jawline well while big. I mean it was not as prominent as it was later in life when he, uh, you know, got older, maybe put on some weight and stuff like that. As of, it was saying here on uh, Wikipedia, something I didn't know about him, as of 2012, Robert Zadar had appeared in more than 60 films with at least one appearance per year in 27 of the last 29 years of his career. So he, he only missed 1986 and 2001. Uh, were the only years he didn't do any films uh, in that period. Basically, his career kind of winded down a little bit in the last few years because he suffered a, a serious back injury in 2002, and that's sort of why he, he went a little bit out of the limelight. He, he's he's probably um, most well-known for the Maniac Cop films, uh, Maniac Cop 1, 2, and 3. I think the series started in 1988. That, that first film actually has all kinds of genre stars in it. It, it has Bruce Campbell in it. Uh, Tom Atkins, Richard Roundtree, uh, Shaft. That's nice one. Yeah. <laughs> Any anything you want to
1: start off with on uh, on uh, Mr. Zadar? Really. Uh, all I, I I was looking through his filmography, and there are films that again I've I've seen him in, but I don't recall. Um, for me, he will always be the guy from Soul Taker. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, mostly because. Uh, I did see that film before it was an MST3K film, but now I love the MST3K version. And he was also in another film done by Mr. Sancedo 3000, Future War. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember him from that. I remember him as the uh, kind of uh, the specter of death from the terrible uh, 1991 or 92 film Soul Taker, and that's my memory of him, you know, the yeah. the uh, mentor to uh, Joe Estevez,
0: you know. Yeah, yeah. Um. He he was he was that he was that guy who who basically you know he he's one of those actors who who did like bit parts here and there and everything like we were talking about last week with uh, uh, well two weeks ago now with uh, Lance Hendrickson um, where where you know sometimes he'll just jump into films for bit parts and stuff like that and yeah he was in, he was in Soul Takers the Angel of Death he was in the sequel to Hell Comes to Frogtown, taking over for Roddy Piper in the lead role of Sam Hell in Frogtown 2. Uh that I had sounds not f- awesome. <laughs> yeah, I I've, I've not actually seen that one, but I know I do want to see it. He was in Tango uh, and Cash? I yeah, I, and that's one of those films I know I watched a
1: bunch as a kid and I like saw I like googled it, like Robert Zidar Tango and Cash and I remember seeing him in the movie but I do not remember his role at all. Like, it, Tango and Cash is probably a film we should uh, talk about on this podcast at some point. Um, yeah,
0: uh, he, he beats the fuck out of Sylvester Sloan and what what's the name of the character in Tango and Cash? Face is the name of his character <laughs> right, in Tango yeah. and Cash. My, my favorite role of his, though, is uh, the role of Yamashita from Samurai Cop, which is one of the most unintentionally hilarious films ever made. He, he is supposedly playing a Japanese... Uh, Basically, mobster, but uh, of course, Robert Z'Dar is not Japanese. Does not look anything like a Japanese person. <laughs> but but the, the the movie is absolutely hilarious, um, and it's one I intend to cover at some point on this podcast. It's just so goddamn bad that it's good. But there there are so many films of his that I have not seen. Uh, but he, but he, you know, he's a guy that's popped up in all kinds of stuff and. It's, it's, he did a lot of tv too like in the mm-hmm. 80s
1: feels like there was he's one of those guys who's just kind of been in a lot of stuff he's just you know he was a working actor and yeah. uh yeah i'm glad that we uh kind of used this segment to talk about some of these guys um you know I, I think it's a really good use of the segment if i can pat us on the back on the back uh for yeah. a moment um i really like the idea of you know looking at some of these guys and you know um uh, who have had long careers, but not necessarily, you know, in, you know, like big name people that you're just, you know, uh, recognizable. Um, so, uh, nicely done. I I have a lot of respect for those working actors, which we're going to talk about a few today in this podcast.
0: <laughs> but uh I'll uh, just say this, uh rest in peace, uh, Mr. Zadar um you will be missed, and uh yeah, we can move on to uh well, actually, um I'm thinking we should move on just briefly to uh comments uh that we got in the last couple uh episodes we did. Did Paul comment on his own episodes? that's the no, no, <laughs> okay, okay <laughs> <laughs> these, you know, funny. Are... he was commenting on those episodes as well. These are comments from real people.
1: Um, People we uh, care about,
0: not Paul. Uh, We had a comment from a mutual friend of Paul and mine's from uh, Beardweeds United, uh, Greg... He he just basically mentioned briefly that he liked Dead Snow 2 better than he liked Dead Snow 1. He found Dead Snow 1 boring, whereas he enjoyed the comedy of Dead Snow 2. We have a couple comments here from our episode we did, episode 10, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Uh, more human than human. He says, I don't know what this is or where this comes from, but anything featuring the greatest horror film ever gets my approval. And I think he was referring to... Dawn of the Dead, not Beyond the Black Rainbow. I think he was just referring to the name of the podcast more than anything else. <laughs> nice, yeah. Uh, and he also wow. says all. And I can tell you, Canadian film is fucked. Enemy BTRB video drone scanners, bloody scanners, man. We have too much time on our hands up here. All right, and I agree because I'm Canadian, so I'm actually I actually do know about Canadian genre films as far as horror goes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you very much for the comments, uh, people, and we encourage anyone to send in more comments. Uh, we love comments, so especially those of you who agree with me, um, absolutely, exactly, exactly. Right. Sure. So uh,
1: thanks again, thanks a lot for everybody for commenting, and uh, moving on into our discussion of stuff we've purchased and watched and uh, et cetera lately. Um, You want to start with
0: that? Yeah. um, I'll just try to go through this very quickly. There, there is a bunch of stuff I've basically received in the mail and watched uh, in the last week or so. Um, I got two uh, Lucio Fulci films, The Beyond and Host by the Cemetery, uh, both on DVD. At some point we'll we'll have to do a, a Fulci month or something like that just to talk about his films because they're fairly unique as far as uh, both horror films and Italian horror films go. I'll just leave it at that for now. I got favorite sc- scream queen of mine from the 1980s and 90s, uh, Linnea Quigley. I got this Grindhouse Triple Feature, which basically features three films by her, are starring her, uh, Deadly Embrace, Nightmare Sisters, and Murder Weapon, uh, I've not seen Murder Weapon or Deadly Embrace. Nightmare. I basically got this for Nightmare Sisters because it has Linnea Quigley, it has Michelle Bauer, and it has uh, Brink Stevens, all prominent scream queens uh, from the era, and uh, just lots of nudity and lots of fun. Uh, so that's basically the reason I picked that one up. I also picked up, and this is probably the best purchase I've made in quite a while, a uh, Sorcerer from 1977, a William Friedkin movie starring Roy Schreider. Sh- excellent, excellent fucking film about basically about these guys from different parts of the world at the end of their ropes. Basically, they, they they have to get away. Uh, they, they all end up meeting together in uh, a South American, unnamed South American country, I think. And they end up taking on the task of transporting two trucks full of nitroglycerin across the jungle. Uh, I've actually seen
1: this film. Mm-hmm.
0: Excellent, because I want to. Excellent, yeah. Yeah, I want to review it at some point. One of the most harrowing films I've ever seen, just for the scenes of them going across that fucking rope bridge. I was on the edge of my seat. Absolutely brilliant. Um, And I'll I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I watched a couple movies this past week. Uh, I saw Wolf Cop, which (laughs) is excellent. It's ex it's it's It feels like a film
1: that Robert Zadar should have been in,
0: honestly. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's essentially uh, along those sort of toxic avenger kind of idea where you have a hero that violently kills bad guys and stuff like that but in this case instead of toxic avenger he's a werewolf and uh the werewolf effects are really good and there's a scene where you see werewolf dick basically <laughs> nice werewolf cock yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah. Yeah. I saw The Rover with uh, Guy Pierce. It's the same director who did uh, Animal Kingdom. Uh, he teamed up with Guy Pierce again in this one. And it's sort of like a more realistic Mad Max. It's not Mad Max with all the car chases. It's you know, the sort of the stark reality of what dystopian Australia might actually be like if there was an economic uh, crisis where the whole world basically just went into a recession, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, It's very, very good. I really liked it. And the final thing I saw was uh, A Walk Among the Tombstones, a Liam Neeson, recent Liam Neeson film. People are probably more familiar with his Taken films as of late as far as his action stuff goes. This is more of a slow-burning kind of detective film, and I was pleasantly surprised by it. I really enjoyed it. Like, I, I like his acting anyway. Uh, I'll watch him in the Taken films, even if all three films are exactly the same fucking film over and over again. Um, oh, right. Yeah, but uh, a, a Walk Among the Tombstones, uh, a Lawrence uh, Block novel adapted into a movie. Lawrence Block is a very good writer as far as I'm concerned and uh it's a really good detective uh piece i, I really really enjoyed it so i I'm, i'll watch any fucking detective film honestly so and i was i i really enjoyed it so it was really good
1: awesome yeah um when you were talking about the uh, what's the guy pierce film again uh the rover the rover that sounds really interesting um i actually I keep mentioning books on this movie podcast, but I actually read a book a few years ago uh, by, and I was just Googling the title because the title escaped me immediately, but um, it's an novel called uh, Liberation, colon, Being the Adventures of the Slick Six After the Collapse of the United States of America. <laughs> um, written by a guy named Brian Francis Slattery, um, who's one of these uh, guys, he's a uh, Kind of an up-and-coming novelist. Um, he owes a lot to when uh, we talked about Inherent Vice a couple weeks ago. He owes a lot to uh, Thomas Pichon, Um, but he's he's more readable. He's more accessible than Pichon. Um, you know, he's also a, a kind of gifted economist in his, oh, yeah. in his day life. And he basically the the uh, assumption that he makes, or the kind of thing that happens, is that it's not like the apocalypse is caused by some you know massive like die off like zombies or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's essentially an economic collapse. And yeah. you know where the story goes, I mean, it's it definitely has a lot of kind of pulp origins, kind of elevated into um, art, you know, sort of thing. It's a it's a very weird book, but I mean, it's like. Slavery returns to America because, like, of course it does, you know, yeah. and, and seeing it, like, you know, because people are just poor and they just sell themselves into slavery, essentially. Uh, so really, really interesting. Just kind of uh, wanted to throw that in there since uh, it reminded me of that um, and uh, worth, uh, worth a read if you're uh, at all interested in that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah, the rover is very similar to that situation. I mean, essentially, I don't even know if they say the entire world is in the same shape as Australia, because throughout the film, like the main character played by Guy Pierce is trying to barter with people and stuff like that. They're asking for US dollars, not Australian dollars. So, you know, He's trying to buy gas, he's trying to buy food at these places that are, you know, like, boarded up and stuff so they can't be uh, robbed. It's it's just like a totally lawless wasteland where the occasional uh, Humvee full of uh, military tries to, like, keep law, but... uh, Pretty much to no avail. Uh, it's it's very. This it, it sounds really
1: interesting. I'm I'm definitely gonna 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 watch this soon
0: and uh, cool. check it out and maybe we'll
1: talk about it on a future episode. Ooh. That's three films already that we've talked about talking about on a future
0: episode. So yeah. uh,
1: you know me very quickly the things that I've seen in the last uh, couple of you know the last week or so both theatrically. I actually uh, kind of randomly saw the new Will Ferrell Kevin Hart film Get <laughs> Hard, um, which was uh, you know. It makes pretensions of uh, kind of being about kind of economic disparity in Los Angeles, but it's really just a, a broad and a pretty amusing comedy. Um, it's kind of pretty much what you expect to get. Um, it does have some of that, um, you know, kind of uh, 80s style action comedy vibe to it, especially towards the end. Um, there, there's a it's pretty effectively put together. It's about 90 minutes long. Um, I laughed in quite a few places, and uh, it's it's worth a see. It's worth it's worth a look see, and. Uh, Alison Brie is a very sexy in it. If uh, that's the sort of thing that you go through. she's movies. very sexy and just about anything she does. <laughs> she, she's, in fact, if you Google Alison Brie get hard, you will probably see images that are uh, that, you know, will make you decide whether you want to see the film for that or not. It's it's uh, probably <laughs> going to be worth a rental at some point. You know, um, it's it's cute. Um, the other film that I saw was uh, the uh, Alamo Drash House was airing Pleasantville uh, okay. as a uh, one kind of. Sunday afternoon matinee sort of thing, and that's actually one of my personal favorite films. And uh, so my wife and I went out on Sunday afternoon last Sunday and saw it. And uh, it's astonishing.
0: You know, uh, have you seen this film? That's the that's the black and white one with Tobey Maguire, yeah, and, and the world slowly becomes color. Right, where yeah. the teenagers are trapped in a uh, in a kind of
1: nineteen fifty simulacra. Apologies, um, for stumbling over that word. These two teenagers, are kind of trapped in this 1950s sitcom world, and um, kind of it, it plays very true to that reality. It is this kind of Klein bottle universe, but it doesn't really talk about it in those terms. It's this very um, kind of isolated world and what happens when things are allowed to change and kind of the way that our psychology works and the way that uh, people behave in that kind of situation. I think it's um, one of those films that is, uh, you know, it it was released when I was 18 years old and I saw it theatrically when I was 18 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, It's probably one of those films that, you know, not to put uh, too uh, highfalutin a point on it, but one of those films that uh, probably has influenced my life as much as any film ever. Um, honestly, uh, just philosophically and, you know, in terms of the ideas. Um, and I yeah. do put that as one of my favorite films. And I got to see it with my wife, and she also loves it. So it was uh, sure. really wonderful, and I would uh, highly recommend that if you're... Um, a lot of people, you know, kind of make... You know, it's not a perfect film. Um, a lot of people will complain. it's it's It gets a bit didactic. It's a bit um, simplistic, maybe. But uh, I think for the uh, point that it's trying to make and for the... Uh, in this kind of hyper-realized stylistic... Universe, you can kind of defend a lot of those points. Um, And I think the performances William H. Macy, uh, Joan Allen, um, Reese Witherspoon, um, J.T. Walsh, and I think one, if not his very last, one of his very last roles, J.T. Walsh would be another person that we could talk about on this podcast at some point. Yeah, definitely. Um, lots of great, great actors in it um as well. Um lots of faces that you just would recognize, like if you're because this movie is now seventeen years old. Yeah. And so uh you you run into like I know that person from somewhere. The uh uh woman who and I I didn't get her name, I forgot to write it down, but um like the uh the woman who plays uh one of the lead actresses in Psych, the uh, USA TV series. Maggie Lawson, that's her name um, has a small role in that film, you know, for instance, and there are a lot of people kind of like that. Paul Walker is in it oh yeah, ah, and paul <laughs> walker is is quite good in it, like uh, he has a he has a pivotal, really important but small role so anyway and, and uh, Jeff Daniels, uh, just you yeah. know this cast is phenomenal, and there's a lot of great stuff in it. so um if you haven't seen it, check it out.
0: I, I think it's it's worth uh, watching. It is a good movie. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time like I, I it was one of those ones where I saw it once and then basically moved on, but it, it was a really good movie. Yeah, yeah uh, something I should probably watch again at some point. My
1: my beating liberal heart just uh, loves it. You know, it's just one of those. Uh, <laughs> you know, it fills me with uh, it fills me with joy.
0: This is Quentin Tarantino, and if you made a movie in the nineteen sixties or seventies, I've probably stolen from it. But there's one thing I can't steal from, and that's the greatness of "They Must Be Destroyed on Sight," a movie podcast. Yeah.
1: Moving on from uh, this, uh, you know, brief discussion of um, racism and politics and you know <laughs> repression, um, how'd you like to move on and talk about some titty
0: movies? Let's talk about titty movies.
1: All right. Um, <laughs> so let's get started. We're going to uh, start off with a film from uh, 1990. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Ski Patrol, and uh, the, the, you know. The thing that I kind of, because I suggested this as sort of a running topic for a little while, um, Mm -hmm. because these are the kind of movies that I grew up on. Like, I've seen a ton of these, you know... Movies that really existed—they're—they're they're cheap comedies. They're made to uh, put some female nudity on the screen and uh, enchant twelve-year-old boys. And mm-hmm. this is a genre that really doesn't exist anymore, um, because now there's the internet, you know. And and you know, it's—it's it's telling that after about 1994, 95, you know, you just don't see these films made anymore. Yeah. And when you do, they're—they're they're kind of deliberate uh, throwbacks. You know, you really don't see this kind of uh, idea. But you know, when I think about these films, the, like the first one that comes to my mind is. Ski Patrol, which is interesting, because Ski Patrol really doesn't, it has no nudity. There's no, no. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, a lot of these films kind of aired on uh, like basic cable and bowlerized versions, and those are the versions that I would just watch all the time because it was just on TV. And um, so sometimes it's like, it's funny where I'd see the the cut version first, and then later on I'd thought, oh, there were supposed to be tits in that movie. You know? <laughs> um... So, uh, when I, it's funny, like, when I think about these, you know, Ski Patrol is kind of one of the first ones I think of because I watched it a bunch as a kid, uh, or as a, you know, kind of young man, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, and um, didn't really think, like, there's really not any sex in this. But um, I still think it's kind of a cute movie, and it has some uh, really uh, interesting casting. So, so, uh, now that I've kind of set the stage for, like, how this really doesn't fit the theme that we're going for, what did you think of Ski Patrol? (laughs) Uh,
0: Well... I mean, it, it doesn't fit the theme, but it does at the same time because it has all the basic elements that these films tend to have. Um, this, this was done by the same people who did the Police Academy series. Another series um, I grew up on, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And although this resembles the later Police Academy films, than it does like the first two or so right. that actually had nudity. But uh, this one just sort of sits more back on its uh, gags, psych gags, jokes, um, innuendo. There's there's plenty of innuendo, but right. there's no nudity at all. It's kind of fun. Like is it's some of the jokes are actually I, I found myself laughing watching it. Um, I had not seen it in quite a while, and I just rewatched it this week for the podcast. And I was like, okay, I remember that. Like, I remember um, really liking uh, Leslie Jordan's uh, character. I, I thought he was yes. pretty amusing. Uh, I, I think he he basically made a career out of playing this character um, on TV and in movies. Yeah, mm-hmm, and apparently yeah. on stage. I, I was looking
1: up his biography when I was. And yeah. Leslie Jordan's another one of those people that like if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, then you know you don't, might not recognize the name, but then you look at his picture. And you go, oh, that guy, you
0: know yeah, basically um, uh basically the diminutive uh southern speaking vaguely homosexual uh character uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> he is actually he,
1: gay in real life, so yeah you know, but but is, I uh, mean you
0: know, but but the movie they don't sure.
1: play him as gay, like he doesn't say oh i'm I'm totally queer, but you, know. yeah, um, yeah he definitely plays that kind of mincing stereotype of a gay man to some uh. degree. Of the Southern Gay Man. Um, he is actually from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, which
0: what, I know yeah, this, so well. this, this film does have some interesting names in it. I mean, uh, George Lopez in a very early role <laughs> as this <laughs> yes. the stereotypical Latino character who throws dynamite and shit around. And <laughs> right. yeah, no, I mean, pretty pretty crazy. Um, you know, it's like,
1: oh, it's our explosives expert, and he literally rides in on a uh, snowdew, a, a snow scooter, whatever you call it, a snowmobile, yeah. excuse me, yeah. Um, yeah. just bashes down a door, and he's, like, got a, a dynamite stick that turns out to be fake. And, like, it's that kind of movie. It's like, yeah. oh, look, it's, it's, it's whatever his name is, Rodriguez. I want to call him Rodriguez, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there, there's actually several scenes of just, people going through doors, whether on fucking snowdoos or just in skis. Um there there's also uh Ray Walston as Pops and mm-hmm. This goes back to the formula. Like this formula is basically used for almost every, uh, let's say, like a bikini drive-in, bikini car wash, those sort of films where we, we gotta save the ranch, you know? Yeah, we gotta <laughs> save, we gotta save the what have you? Uh, even Meatballs Four is the same formula.
1: <laughs> um, uh, I'm glad you were the first one to mention the Meatballs franchise when we're talking about these uh, these <laughs> films because. I could I could have a long discussion about the meatballs quadrilo- quadrilogy um, if we're well, every we, and,
0: we uh, might make that an episode actually yeah. um, <laughs> but but yeah Ray Walston pl- plays pops I mean I yeah, think. Yeah. Half of, of these movies, pops, you know? half of these movies, they're either called pops or gramps or dad or yeah. some shit like that. Ray Walston, uh, very good character actor, uh, I I've liked him in everything I've seen him in. He's probably best known for Fast Times at Bridgemount High as the uh, as basically the teacher who wasn't gonna take shit from uh, uh, Sheen Penn's character. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Mull is in this as Maris. He's the bad guy, um, yeah. the, the developer trying to land make, developer. Yeah. Mm, yeah, uh, and, and
1: and this film was parodied in. Uh, I mean, it, essentially, uh, I can't imagine that this wasn't really on their mind. There was an episode of South Park where this mm-hmm. was essentially the exact same plot, and you get the like rich asshole skiers, and there's like a land developer, and we gotta save the, this the ski resort, you know, sort of thing. And
0: uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, that South Park episode also parodies um, probably the best known ski exploitation film, which is Hot Dog the Movie which is really more about the competition between the characters than it is the actual developing, the the developer trying to take the place and they're trying to save it and shit. Yeah, so. Uh, One
1: more cast member you didn't mention that I thought was really interesting is Paul Feig Feig is in this movie, um, Mm. who uh, would go on to uh, co-create Freaks and Geeks with Joe Dapoteau. Oh, yeah. Uh, 10 years later, and is now a very hot in demand director of of comedies. He directed Bridesmaids, and he's doing the new Ghostbusters and um, a lot of other stuff. A really, really talented guy, and uh, kind of, I mean, it's kind of funny because watching it again, having not watched this film in 20 years or so, I kind of remembered a lot of, oh, the Stanley character, you know, kind of being the kind of the breakout star to some degree, but I'd forgotten how much, like, you know, the lead in this movie has, like, no charisma whatsoever. No. You know? <laughs> um, Stanley's really the one you're watching, um, yeah. and then some of the other characters, but it's interesting how uh, bland the lead is, you know, uh, following in the footsteps of Steve Gutenberg. but, you know, when you're the yeah. lesser rate Steve Gutenberg. When you're the yeah. person to go to when Steve Gutenberg <laughs> isn't available, you know. <laughs> when you're a low,
0: when you're a low rent Steve, Steve Gutenberg, you're yeah. you're in trouble. Uh, the standout character for me in this whole thing, though, is uh, uh, Sean Sullivan or Sheen Sullivan, uh, Suicide, the character of multiple yeah. personalities. <laughs> that was probably that was probably where the best jokes came from in the film too. It was yeah, like, he, that's he's where definitely I got the best gags.
1: Yeah. yeah, no. Um and and it's you know, he's a big part of the movie. Uh mm-hmm. you know, kind of he he's arguably driving a lot of the plot just because he's kind of creating disasters that the uh ski patrol has to go and fix. Uh, yeah. I think the one thing like if I was going to sum up this movie or kind of my response to rewatching this movie it was wow, George Lopez and Paul Feig are in this and that's yeah. all, you know, and they're both kind of really good in it. Um and uh, George Lopez gets to do his
0: Rodney Dangerfield impersonation. He did a bad um, one. Uh, the other guy, Iceman T.K. Carter, his, is the stereotypical black funny guy. Does all the impressions. <laughs> yes,
1: he even does an Eddie Murphy impression,
0: yep. which is uh, pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, uh, he's the he's the cut rate Michael Winslow. Uh, yeah, if exactly. Going to go yeah. by the Police Academy metaphor. It's funny how much this really does just rip off the Police Academy formula, uh, up to and including the point that um, there's a ton of action in this. Like mm-hmm. there is... like. Really well photographed, like ski action, and I was kind of amazed at the, uh, you know, because it could have looked really shitty and nobody would have really cared that
0: much. Yeah, I, I think you'll, I think you'll find um, if you watch these sort of ski ploy, ski exploitation films, if I can coin that term, mm-hmm. I don't know if someone else already. I'm has. sure someone's already done it. You yeah. know. I can't remember one that I've seen that did not actually have good skiing footage in it. Like the it is like essentially the padding of the film. Generally everyone I've ever seen, from hot dog the movie to um uh, Ski Patrol, Ski School, Ski School Two uh, all these films, they've they have good skiing footage if you're into that sort of thing.
1: <laughs> I mean, it was it was just kind of funny to me how much I like because I did watch this movie a bunch when I was a kid, and then uh, kind of coming back to it and being like now as an adult. And I mean, I've never gone skiing, so I have. But like this, you know, like everyone at that resort is like an Olympic quality skier. It's yeah, it's you know there are people doing like these crazy backflips and shit, and I'm like that is pretty impressive actually. Like, wow. um, Anyway, that that was that was one thing that was, that was probably the biggest thing that struck me watching the film is a how it is kind of vaguely plotless. Um it really just yeah. kind of it's very lackadaisical in the way that it follows its plot that there is a ton of there like there's like a musical number in the middle of the movie where there's just <laughs> a riding down a ski slope and uh you know in like inner tubes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh you know that it's just, there's a lot of action that's actually pretty well handled, um, and pretty well shot. The director of this, and, you know, I'm going to bring it right back, the director of this actually uh, went on. Do you do you know what he's doing now?
0: Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I actually looked this up earlier today, but I don't remember. It's the booze. <laughs> the, the
1: director is actually uh, working for, like, the Disney Channel, doing, like, Disney Channel series. Like, he's I, he's I can, writing, yeah, like, yeah, I like, can. Zach and Cody and that kind of stuff. Uh, and, like, it's such, like, that tone. Like, because mm-hmm. this film, like, despite being in this kind of broadly sex comedy kind of, you know, genre and kind of picking up a lot of these tropes, just, it feels so fucking wholesome. And so, like, saccharine sweet in a lot of ways. Um And yeah. so, kind of, like, these low stakes. I mean, you could slot this into like, those kinds of Disney films, and it would not really
0: feel that out of place at this oh, point. This oh, would, this would be a Disney film if they toned the language down, because the only thing that is uh, vaguely adult about this, other than maybe some of the innuendo, which you could, you know, you could show to kids and they wouldn't get it anyway, is, is the uh, is the language. I mean, there's a couple times where characters say shit, and that's about it, right. you know? Yeah, so. no.
1: Rewatching this, it's hard for me to... Uh, you know, I don't really have much to say other than, like, I, I did kind of enjoy revisiting this. It's probably not something I'm going to be uh, revisiting anytime
0: soon. It's, um, it's not going to be on my DVD shelf, let's put it, yeah, even uh, if it's uh, on DVD anywhere.
1: Yeah. I watched it through Netflix streaming, so it is on Netflix streaming if you want to check it out. I don't know, anything else you have to say about Ski Patrol?
0: This one is sort of a, a lost film in a way as far as the genre goes and with good reason because it doesn't stand out. It, it comes off as a third-rate parody, well, not parody, but ripoff of the later, later uh, uh, Police Academy films. And in that regard, I mean, it, it deserves to be kind of forgotten. I mean, the only thing notable about it is for movie geeks like you and me who, like, go, oh, this guy was in that film and this guy was in that film and that's pretty much the only real interest to take out of it otherwise it's you know there's a few good gags but it's not something anyone has to see so <laughs> no, no
1: not, not at all don't, don't don't like seek this out necessarily but um, if you're if you've uh, if you enjoy a little uh, kind of goofy fun on a on a uh, saturday morning or something uh, it's it's worth yeah. popping up on netflix if you're um, a subscriber to that wonderful service We don't get paid by Netflix, but uh, at least I don't. I wish I did.
0: (laughs) Really wish I did.
1: Um, Ready to move on? Yeah. All right. Um, Then we're also going to talk about uh, Zapped and Zapped Again, and uh, I think maybe start with Zapped and then just kind of bring in Zapped Again. So we'll kind of talk about them together Mm because it's kind of. Uh, more interesting to talk about them together maybe, yeah. but um, Zapped, again, with the exclamation point, if you're Googling it, that is the way to Google it, uh, is a uh, movie from 1982 with Scott Bayo and Willie Ames, mm-hmm. uh, which I will say is the, uh, pardon me, let me rephrase, the powerhouse charisma duo of uh, <laughs> Scott Bayo and Willie Ames, no, actually, um, no, these guys, uh, Scott, Scott Bayo a, I'm sure a perfectly nice guy. Uh, he has absolutely no personality in this film whatsoever. No. Um They they invented the word milk toast" to describe Barney <laughs> in this uh, film. Uh, again, another film with a really interesting cast. Uh, mm-hmm. Stephen Grant Crothers is in this. And, yeah, I uh, love him. Sue Ann
0: Landon I think. she's mm-hmm, uh, yep. the uh, principal. And she went was, on to go into the sequel as well, yeah.
1: She was, I think, the one returning cast member in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, And uh, I looked her up because I was kind of, you know, I was just kind of Googling everybody. Whenever I watch like an old movie or an old TV show, I kind of have a habit of like Googling what these people ended up doing in the rest of their career, just because it's sometimes really interesting. One of the the co-writer and director of this film, or uh, yes, of Zapped, actually went on to executive produce an episode of Frontline in (laughs) 2000. Yeah, and I was like, "Where did that come? Like, he's a little like a few sex comedies in the '80s. He does nothing else, and then like executive produces an episode of Frontline. And it's a little like either IMDb there was another guy with the same name, and it got plugged into the same, you know, into this, <laughs> yeah. Or this guy had like he said, "I'm gonna get back into filmmaking, and I'm gonna like be in some way involved in the making yeah. of the Frontline <laughs>
0: documentary. So
1: I don't know. I think there's probably an interesting story as to how that happened."
0: Uh, Yeah, uh, Robert J. Rosenthal, the director, he actually uh, did some movies that we're going to talk about later on in some future episodes of this sort of sex comedy series. Uh, He did Malibu Beach, he did The Van, he also did The Pom Pom Girls as a sort of a cheerleader exploitation film, um, written by... Him and Bruce uh, Rubin. But yeah, it's got a really interesting cast. Like you said, uh, Scatman Crothers, Sue Ann Langdon, who returns in the sequel. uh, Heather Thomas as Jane Mitchell, the uh, sort of sexpot cheerleader uh, love interest of... Basically, everybody in the film, <laughs> right? The hot blonde in the film, Got it. Mm-hmm. yeah. But she was uh, probably she's probably the most notable cast member in this because she had a no nudity clause. Basically, she, like, she's right. basically saying she was going to do nudity. It even yeah. makes a point later in the end credits saying that Heather Thomas w- used a body double for her scenes in this film, even though it was you know blatantly fucking obvious. Anyway,
1: <laughs> right? Interesting thing. I mean, I I support her decision. That, yeah. So, if we're going to talk about the Zapped films, and, and you know, this is... Uh, the, the basic overall plot is uh, Teenage Boy Genius develops telekinesis, which is, you know, the subtitle of this movie should be Lab Safety is for Suckers. <laughs> um, just kind of, you know, fuck you. I want my superpowers. Um, yeah. you know, and how did a seventeen-year-old get his own lab space in a public school, anyway? But
0: mm-hmm. you know, we're
1: not we're not going to talk about these. This is this is the child prodigy genius. You know, this trope goes back at least to the '30s. So we're we're yeah. going to let that go. But uh, this is kind of, I think, viewed through at least modern eyes. You know, both Zapped and Zapped Again are magic sexual assault. The movie. You know, um, because yeah. the entire premise of the film is teenage boy gets telekinetic powers and basically uses it to rip women's clothes off. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, I think in, in 82 when the first one came out, you know, we kind of you know, it's, it's a little bit less uh, there was a little bit more of a, oh, boys will be boys kind of attitude. I think mm-hmm. you know watching it now with a modern sensibility I mean, it does kind of play as wow, this dude just ripped a bunch of people's clothes off because they were kind of mean to him, you know, like yeah. uh, this is a uh, and I don't necessarily want to get into that in detail, but I did. I do think we should top mention it if we're going to, you know. Uh,
0: well, let's put it this way: this theme, this this sort of thing of. uh a, a guy gaining either, I've seen it in other films, it's either the the person gains telekinesis and can do it, you know, rip their clothes off of his mind, or they become invisible and do it. And right. you see that pop up in a lot of Japanese movies these days, like in the last 20 years, there's been a lot of Japanese movies that have revolved around that sort of thing. And those ones are, you know, those ones are really explicit and bad.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, again, kind of uh, looking at all three of these films are, are kind of ridiculously wholesome in a lot of ways. Like it, it, it just doesn't deal with that idea. Like it, it, it just kind of it doesn't even like consider the idea that like, oh, maybe it's not the thing to do. That you know. <laughs> ripping mm-hmm. people's clothes off just because you you can you know sort of thing it, it, you know it approaches it as a um a way of getting tits on the screen and that you know it's a <laughs> tit delivery vehicle essentially um which is which is you know it's it's a genre of film <laughs> well, just, you know, well
0: it, it goes to that uh, Benny Hill school of comedy it's just instead of a woman getting her clothes hooked on something to rip them off he's using his brain, he's using his mind to do it instead. I mean, right. that's that's essentially the only difference. It's a very much the same sort of school of comedy, you know. Sexy yeah, ladies either. being disrobed and, you know, it's played for laughs. Uh,
1: one of the early Russ Beyer films involved a guy who got a sort of, like, x ray glasses, essentially, that allowed him to see through ladies' clothes and, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. So, um, you know, this this is a long and venerable genre of, you know, if you just treat it as pornography, which, I mean, ultimately that's what this is, is it's mm. a, you know, it, it's, a, it's pornography kind of wrapped in a silly comedy um, shell. I, I think it's... Um, less, you know, it's not trying to make the point that, you know, this is a good thing to do. It's just kind of, you know, saying this is a way of showing you tits. Uh, and so, again, I, I don't think we should be too harsh on it, but I do, hmm. I don't know, I would, I would feel remiss if we didn't at least mention that that's well, essentially the point of the movie. The,
0: the thing about it is, is this is essentially a carry rip-off spoof in, in a right. lot of ways, right? And the characters that get disrobed in this film are generally people who have wronged the Scott Baio's character in some way I mean right. um, I don't want to make it sound like this film is just like wall to wall nudity because it's not it's incredibly tame for what the oh, for what the yeah. premise is since this is a film back in the day, uh, you and me are from the same generation where we still had video rental stores mm-hmm. and I'm sure you did a lot of the same as I did where we'd go into these stores and you'd see the comedy section, and this was back in the day where VHS boxes <laughs> had the best cover art ever, and the cover art oh, yeah. for this fucking film is very, very tempting. Like, I hope
1: it, in the YouTube video
0: version of this, you now have a picture of the video art for I'm going to do it, yeah, because it has Williams and Scott Baio looking through a window, lifting someone's skirt in the classroom, and I mean, you saw that, and you're probably too young to rent the film, and you're like, oh my god, I really want to see this film. I can't right. wait till I'm 18 and see this film. And then you see it, and it's like, there are maybe three instances of him using his powers to disrobe women. And very briefly, I mean, there's the extended sequence in the end, in the prom, where he does it, which is basically the total Carrie ripoff spoof. Right. But other than that, I can only think of two instances where he uses it. He uses it once on the lead character, Heather Thomas, making her top pop off although you don't see any boobs or anything. You just see her bra or whatever. And then there's the other part where he's at the baseball game, and afterwards some rival players drive up and try to make fun of him, and he makes the two girls' uh, tops Mm -hmm. pop off. One of them, by the way, was uh, Jewel Shepard, who is a very a uh, well-known 80s and 90s sort of both Scream Queen and sort of sexploitation star who appeared in a lot of stuff like Party Camp and other movies like that. But yeah, other than that, it's it's incredibly tame. Like this film, its premise, it really does not cash in on its premise all that much. It does not.
1: Really, I think you know, watching the two movies kind of back-to-back, uh, Zapped and Zapped Again, I mm-hmm. do think Zapped Again... Does a lot more with its premise in the sense mm-hmm. of like actually kind of being an effective delivery system for that sort of thing, you know, which may just reflect the roughly ten years that passed between the making yeah. of the two. Um, and I think the sequel was also direct to video, I think, which might have mm-hmm. had something to do with it. But yeah, um, again, like it's you know, anytime you see in a movie like teenagers riding bikes, you know, <laughs> it's, it's it's just one of those things. Like it just feels like a bygone era to some degree. Like, yeah, um, it, it's kind of you know that. You know, oh, I'm this kid, and I have, uh, you know, like the really that the bad boy. By the way, Willie Ames, Bible Man himself, mm-hmm. bad boy. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, bad boy, playboy. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, total creepster, like taking upskirt pictures. I mean, this guy would be on Reddit today, like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> who this guy is. Yeah. But, uh, uh, the the only thing, uh, the only other thing I I'd, I'd want to mention about Zapped, uh, and if you have any other. Things to mention, you can do so right afterwards, and then we'll move on to Zapt again. But I, I did like like the sort of they interjected sort of like stoner comedy into that film. there, where there was had,
1: a surrealistic sequence
0: mm-hmm. that I was actually going to mention. So
1: please go ahead.
0: You know, yeah, like the the stuff of Albert Einstein and Scatman Crothers jumping in there, and and it, like there's be, some be, having having the salami
1: flying after him. You
0: yeah, know, it was, like uh, the, you know, like yeah. yeah. There, there was some thought behind some of the stuff in this that I found very amusing and kind of funny. Like this is a movie I'll still watch at this point. Like I, I actually own this. I bought it in a, in a dollar bin. I saw it. Like uh, it was actually I think it was the same fucking day I bought Hard Bodies and Hard Bodies Two. They nice were both fun. in they were both in the dollar bin. I was like I could pick up Zapped and Hard Bodies and Hard Bodies Two for like two bucks. Why not? I, I would have made the same financial decision. No, yeah. totally, absolutely,
1: absolutely. Yeah, no, the the uh I think, you know, again, kinda it's funny like talking about a um you know, this kind of broad sex comedy that really just is to, to show teenage you know twenty mm-hmm. two year old women with, with very little clothing. My favorite sequence in the film is the uh you know, kind of Albert Einstein, you know, the, yeah. the Scatman Crothers get stoned sequence. Um, <laughs> uh that is actually he's probably my favorite character in the film because yeah. you know at the end in the um the prom sequence he's kinda just wandering like, Oh my god, you know, uh yeah, well, like, he's, looking he's, around big eyed, you know, like if I were forty
0: years younger <laughs> Yeah, well well he, he he tries and his wife yeah. stops him but he's right. he's but yeah he's the best part of this movie really cuz he he's the real actor in this movie. Less, less right this right right yeah. Movie.
1: Uh no, the other thing that I that I didn't remember is, is how much um and I, how much like a sitcom. Uh, one of the reasons I looked up these uh writers and stuff was like I fully expected them to have been working on Charles in Charge. It was just one of those, like, it, you know, you've got Scott Bayo and Willie Ames, you know, yeah. the, the the dynamic duo there, you know, coming in. Well, surely it was like, oh, this is going to be like, we got, like, the guys who are making Charles in Charge, you know, to come in and do, no, no, it's not the case. But it's also, like, there's a, it, it has sitcom structure in the sense that there's an A-plot and a B-plot, you know. Yeah. And the B-plot is uh, Sue Ann Landon and uh, the principal, Getting it on, and they have a yeah. very uh, one of the funniest things in the movie is like she they go to like the fancy restaurant and she like goes down on him yeah um, under the table <laughs> and suits the consternation of the diners and the waiters kind of coming by and it's like we'll have a house red thank you you know or you know and very um, one of those like this is the fictional universe that this film exists in which this can happen and nobody
0: loses their job <laughs> you yeah. know um, uh, oh fuck you you're bringing up Going down on someone in a restaurant. We have to do fucking hamburger the most motion picture now. It just has to be done because <laughs> there's a don't, scene don't. in that film. But anyway, I've, I'm sorry. Go, I've go seen ahead. that, but it's been a long
1: time. No problem. Yeah. We'll definitely do. You know, we'll just put together a list and we'll just keep doing these. You mm-hmm. know, the funny, the fun thing about these movies is that you can watch one. And then you can like do it as like a fifteen-minute like thing at the end of another episode sort of thing. Yeah. Episode. One more one more point I was gonna make about the the original Zapped um, is uh, just that you know there's very little plot at all. Oh and. Uh, the uh, female lead, uh, Bernadette, uh, the mm-hmm. actress, um, the only person who was actually of high school age at the making yeah. of this film, <laughs> um, and it, therefore does not take off any of her clothes that you can see. Um, she's, she keeps her clothes on for the whole movie. Um, I think is an interesting, like, they have this kind of romantic subplot um, mm-hmm. between Scott Baio and, and her, and... um you know, there is this kind of thing. You know, one of the issues that bleeding heart liberals like myself have with these kinds of films is that, you know, they kind of take away the agency from the female characters and they're just kind of like objects to be ogled. Mm-hmm. And they're not parody. You know, you don't really see like. Men, ha- you know, you don't see the female characters like taking the men's clothes off and that sort of thing uh, because that's not the audience this is for and so it's kind of structurally unfair to some degree.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: you take, your, um, you take your feminism where you can get it and I think Bernadette in the first movie and then the second one, the um, female lead yeah. this, they each have their own stories, they each have their own lives, their own opinions and make their own romantic decisions and I think that that's an interesting element that we could, we could easily overlook.
0: Yeah, um, they, they do the character Bernadette
1: is actually really interesting.
0: Yeah, they do carry that theme over to Zapped again, where uh, essentially the real, like, when you get past all the telekinesis and, and titties and ass showing up, I mean, it does make a point that the real story is between the lead and the lead girl. Uh, that is much more mature and realistic, and, I mean, you know, there there is a little bit of a heart the whole thing, right. you know, so it, it's nice. Like, the, the film does balance those two things fairly well, especially considering, again, Zapped really falls short of its premise quite a bit, where it could be showing so much nudity, and it doesn't.
1: <laughs> right, I mean, it, it could be a much more effective delivery system, so let's mm-hmm. move on to Zapped again, if you're oh. uh, if you're good with that. I said that just as you were uh, drinking a beer, so yeah. uh, always fun. Uh, so... Uh, moving on to Zapped Again, I think Zapped Again is unquestionably the better version of this story. And ironically, it was the one I saw first. Yeah. I um, this kind of showed up on cable when I was a kid, and I saw it, you know, many years ago. And then later learned, you know, because it's kind of pre-internet, pre-like you can just go Google shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later learned, oh, there was a, a first movie made years ago with Scott Scott Bale was in this. So yeah. um,
0: it, it was exactly the same for me. This was the first one I saw in the series. Yeah.
1: It would be interesting to see a zapped again, again, you know, like a third version. <laughs> it would be interesting to see what they do with this premise now. Although, um, watching these films, and, and again, I'm going to do a little aside here, uh, the the film uh, Chronicle uh, from a few years ago. That has a little element movie. of that, yeah. But, you know, it, it, it again kind of takes that, like, teenagers get telekinesis and use it to... Um, Kind of wreak havoc, and, and it, it actually treats this premise realistically. It's kind of like I feel yeah. like that's in the same genre, like maybe um, Barney from the first film. because you don't really learn what happened to him. Like mm-hmm. maybe he ended up like building a spaceship, going up into space, and then crash lands thirty years later, and like gives telekinesis to these three kids. Like, yeah. Maybe Chronicle Maybe it all just <laughs> the same universe. You know. Yeah. Um, would be would be an interesting uh, premise. We should uh, we should get on that. Um, But anyway, so Zapped again uh, kind of fixes a lot of the problems in the first one. Um, There, there's more nudity here. Um, You know, it kind of starts delivering it fairly early in the film. I mean, really, Mm -hmm. the the pre-credit sequence even has you know kind of a sexy girl in the garter belt and stockings combo, which, by Mm -hmm. the way, is such like dates these films because Mm -hmm. like the the sexiest girl is wearing a garter belt and stockings. It's so 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 90s Cinemax. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, Silk Stockings, if you remember that show. Yeah, yeah, um, that too, yeah. You know, that was, uh, you know, like, literally the, the credit sequence has that, um, mm-hmm. you know, image. And, I mean, even the, the name is supposed to be, like, Silk Stockings, you know, mm-hmm. versus Silk Stockings. So um, that's a show I need to revisit sometimes. You know Gilbert Gottfried was in that? Was he? <laughs> he was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, no, sex comedy, man. I can talk about this shit for hours. Um, you know,
0: yeah.
1: Cinemax movies, cause I watched a billion of these. You when know, you I, saw, uh,
0: when you saw this on wherever you saw it, it was either Cinemax was, or um, U- USA Up All Night or whatever the fuck it was. Was sure. did you see the did you see the four TV version where all the shots of girls getting their clothes ripped off, they just went to their underwear. Because there is a version of that, a TV version of this film.
1: I don't remember where I originally saw this. Um, we did have pay cable for a while when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, so I might have seen it on like HBO or Cinemax or something, or Showtime. But I honestly don't remember if it was if I, there were actual tits in this when I saw it the first time or not.
0: Because yeah, there, um, is, there is a YouTube video out there. I can't remember where it is right now. I might link to it later on in the show notes and stuff. But there is one that compares... This the the actual version to the made for T V version where, you know, the the part where the main girl gets her pants split open, you don't see her ass crack, you see her panties. Uh the one the the moment where the girl with the weights on the fucking carriage that they're pulling in the event, she gets her her bottom ripped open and it's just, you know, panties.
1: The idea of shooting um, four TV versions of uh, these scenes is actually something that, you know, kind of still happens today. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of, um, I remember uh, when uh, the Kevin Smith film, Jane and the and Bob Strike Back was being made. Um, George Carlin's little cameo. Yeah. Uh, he has a sign that says you know like we'll eat pussy for a ride or something like that <laughs> and um like they they had a um an alternate version of that like free love for riot or something you know where yeah. literally even like they would they would shoot a different version of it i think now they just assume that they can do all that shit digitally, you know, for Mm -hmm. so they don't worry about it anymore. But um, it is interesting to see, like, some of the TV cuts where they they actually shot different footage. But, uh, no, I can't remember what version I originally saw. I mean, this is a film that I saw um, when I was, you know, again, like, 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there. And uh, just... Always remembered certain sequences, and I think we'll we'll kind of get into that mm-hmm. shortly. And I just like it; it made an impression on me. Just as like this is just a fun movie. It's just kind of yeah. one of those like um, you know, this is I think the best of the three movies that we that we're talking about today. It is, um, at least in my opinion, and uh, I think partly because the the male lead is actually likable and clever.
0: Um, yes, he like he's um, a, he's a cool guy. He's a cool he,
1: guy. He's that he's that very dweeby cool guy that mm-hmm. was like very briefly like kind of that the cut rate Anthony Michael Hall, you know. But the yeah. cut rate Anthony Michael Hall is still pretty cool, you know? Yeah. He's kind of a smart ass. He's but he's not mean about it, you know. That that's the thing. Like he's really he uses his smart assery against the people that deserve it and not the people that don't. Um he's still kind of a cool guy, he's still a nice guy. Um he's hanging out with the dweebs, which is always cool, you know, he's hanging you know Um, The science club in the movie is kind of the the Island of Misfit toys, you know, where they're just kind of hanging out, but... He's got a lot of cool lines. Like I was, I actually admired the writing on this. I, I thought that it was pretty cleverly done in the way that they kind of give him actually clever things to say, as opposed yeah. to the first one where Barney says, "I mean, he might as well be um, the great silence." <laughs> like, you know, in terms of the actual, um, you know, there's a pivotal scene in the original Zaps that happens without dialogue because they just, like, uh, Barney goes into a store to talk to his girlfriend about something, and like they just film it from outside.
0: Like they don't yeah. even bother. But no, uh, do you have that actor's name handy? Yeah, Todd Eric Andrews as Kevin Matthews, and uh, I really like. I really liked his performance. I th- I thought he was really good. Um, I mean, this is this. You know, he's he's a he's a good looking guy. He's got charisma. He he's a he, he. It's not even that he hangs out with the dweebs. Like this is the sort of guy that talks to anybody. And hangs out with anybody just because right. he likes people, right? He likes talking mm-hmm. to people. Like you get that sense from the character, and so I, I really appreciated that. Like it was like night and day from Scott Baio. Let's put it right.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and it's it's not unrealistic for the two characters because Scott Bayo was supposed to be this kind of like nerdy scientist, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of kid that's doing like research on rats and in, in his um, you know, in, in his lab that he gets at the school, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. But, you know, he's supposed to be kind of milk toast and boring, but yeah. um the decision to actually kinda have this kinda this kinda cut up smart ass is is probably a really good one for the film. Mm-hmm. Um I think the best actor in the film is actually the female lead, um Kelly the, Williams. Kelly Williams, who um has done a lot of T V apparently, um that mm-hmm. I haven't seen uh, but she's done some some uh T V shows, uh like some network Jeez. shows um She's
0: Fucking pretty as fuck as well. Like, she she she's is really good looking. She she
1: very she she really is, and I mean it's very um, you know she gives a very credible performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gets uh, probably again you know the first film kind of has these uh, moments of surreal kind of lightness. Um, one of my favorite kind of off the wall moments in this film is the Casablanca moment. Yes, where yeah. she literally just like the film literally goes black and white, which yep. is amazing to me that you know that got. Like, like
0: somebody <laughs> Someone stuck you know, in there, yeah.
1: Like, I mean, I get that like the director and the editor and everybody thought this was cool, but the fact that it ended up in the finished film because I can just imagine like a studio executive kind of looking at that going, What who yeah. the fuck is this made for? Like what are you doing here? Yeah, why you is know? she like, not
0: showing her tits right now? What's going
1: on? Exactly. Um, but it's a really fun moment and I think uh, you know, um I mean, she goes straight up, she's sitting there, she pours some of the uh, magic
0: prune juice formula,
1: yeah. Um, which another change is that they have this like limited amount of prune juice, and you only get the psychic power, the, the telekinetic power when you drink the stuff, and it only lasts for so long, and they don't really play a lot with the rules, but there's kind of a limited yeah. amount, so... Like where Scott Baio is just literally using the power to just do everything, you mm-hmm. know, in the first film. Um, here they use it a lot more in a lot more limited way, so it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's just this magic superpower that he can just always just yeah. use to instantly win any fight. Lots of fun here. Um, Linda Blair shows up as a oh uh, yeah,
0: and, and I wish she, I wish I wish she was more in this more of her in this film. I, I would
1: in in more ways than one, if I may mm-hmm. be uh, lascivious uh, slightly, um, because well, the moment where he raises her skirt in the film is one of those moments that I remember because yeah, of how well,
0: shapely she is. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm wondering I'm wondering if it was her, if if it was like a a it, stunt ass.
1: It might have been a body double. Like, yeah. You know, we don't know. It is not um, shot in a way that it is clearly her. Um. So. Um, uh, and you know. and
0: interestingly enough, her name is Miss Mitchell. I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that they had the idea of trying to get Heather Thomas back, who was Jane Mitchell in the original film, mm-hmm. but they couldn't get her. And I think Uh-oh. they might have. She might. You know, have in some pre-script. You know. Yeah, it might have
1: been supposed to be Jane,
0: is what mm-hmm. you're saying. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. That would have been an interesting moment, and um, you know, they they kind of imply uh, we're getting into the mythology of the ZAP series. <laughs> but, You know, um, um, this is this is what movie geeks do. So yeah. you know, I'm fine with it. But we are literally getting into the mythology of the, uh, but. They kind of imply that um, you know nobody really knew that Barney had telekinetic powers at the prom, but they yeah. they definitely say, oh, he he ripped off a bunch of people's clothes with some science magic trick or whatever. You know, yeah. just, he he just did something like it was clearly him that did it. You know, because he's the one walking around and like staring at people and their clothes rip off. So you know, people aren't idiots and they notice that. But I mean, it, it's kind of like we don't learn what happened. Like nobody, like it's not like oh, and then Barney. Um, whatever his last name is. They give him a last name, but I forgot what it was. The, you don't, like, hear, oh, yeah, that guy who's, like, the um, evil genius in his lair, and, you know, like, you know, <laughs> realistically, you know, we, we think, like, this is, like, a, a guy with telekinetic powers who is a super genius. You know, did he go on and found a software firm? Is he working for Microsoft? You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so that's definitely a, lo- a loose plot thread if you're going to talk about that. But um, the idea that people still remember oh, there was this kid who, who did these weird things, and oh, I remember he used to stare like that, and then people's clothes would come off. Yeah. And um, I, I like the fact that Linda Blair, um, that, that Mrs. Mitchell responds to that in a kind of knowing way and in a mm-hmm. uh, kind of positive way. And, it's, and, and um, something that I think is important in terms of, you know, kind of talking about the kind of, quote, unquote, the sexual assault issues of these films is that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the lead character, Kevin, is it Kevin? Kevin Matthews? Yeah. Kevin, like, apologizes. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I did that. I'm sorry. It was, you know, and she kind of, like, accepts it. It's sort of one
0: of those, like, she's kind of amused by it, which I think she's... uh, She's both, like, uh, because she makes mention that, oh, someone back in the day in my prom ripped all of our clothes off. And he apologizes, and he's you know he's obviously a nice, sincere dude, and she's kind of like you know I'm kind of okay with the idea that you wanted to see me naked, you know like you know yes, that's, I, know. I it's mean not too bad. yeah, it's it's a good performance, it's a good little moment. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. uh, speaking of which, this is again going back to the first film slightly. Willie Ames is fucking like a, a person that works in the principal's office in that <laughs> film, like at the beginning. Oh, he seduces <laughs> the
0: the secretary in the first film.
1: Yeah, he seduces yeah. like Willie Ames is getting action in that yeah. movie like. Um, you know. Um. Anyway, sorry. We we totally like, <laughs> skipped over the fact that Willie Ames is both total creepster and is like banging all the women in the movie. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. Um, He's getting away with
0: everything, that motherfucker. <laughs> you, know, yeah, you just you just
1: can't imagine. Oh no, Willie Ames is like the uh, the the the
0: cockmaster here. You know. He's essentially kind of awesome. Hugh Hefner in this in these films. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, he's you know, I, I, again, I wish he'd come back for the sequel. I guess he was yeah. going off to do his uh, fundamentalist Christian thing. So yeah. Whatever, you know, good for him. <laughs> um I wish he'd come back and he'd been like uh, uh Rob Cordry in Hot Tub Time Machine, you know. Oh. <laughs> and he's like yeah. the rich asshole, you know. Yeah. That's kinda what I wish he'd been. But uh <laughs> no, um going back to Zabbed again, again, the better film, um I do think mm-hmm. that there's uh there's a lot of fun stuff here. You get the kind of crazy hot dog stand and the yeah. uh kind of cast of characters. I mean they're kind of uh, stereotyped the but well drawn.
0: I love the hot dog stand. I, I, it was not intentional, it was just something that I sort of gleaned from it, that like the, the owner of the hot dog stand or the boss or whatever like looked like Iggy Pop, and the black guy who's one of the employees looked like fucking Little Rich, uh not Little Richard, uh, Chuck Berry. <laughs> oh yeah, no, you're right, you're right, yeah. Yeah, um, I just I just found that personally amusing. That's just an yeah,
1: <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine like visually, that's just one of those uh, bits that they uh, that they included. Um, I don't know. Overall thoughts about Zapped again? Anything that like stood out to you in particular? Except just kind of fun movie. Yeah,
0: well. The thing the thing I like the most about it is that it sort of, like we said, it, it capitalizes on the premise a lot better than the original film does. Like, you, you definitely get more nudity for your buck in this one. Um, but generally, the performances are better. It's more fun. Um, I like uh, Lyle Alzado as the, the coach or whatever, and his oh, yeah, his, yeah, yeah. his relationship with Sue Ann Langdon coming back as uh, Rose Bernhardt. They have a fun little sort of back-and-forth relationship where the coach keeps trying. To uh, impress her and try to pretend to be more astute and more sophisticated to try to you know seduce her and stuff. I, uh, I found this I found that fairly amusing, um, even though this capitalizes more on the premise than the original does. I think they still could have maybe gone a little bit further. I, I I could have done with more nudity, personally.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, you know, it, it's it's still and and again, it's something that will that I keep coming back to and kind of talking about this is that it's uh it's still an incredibly I don't want to say G-rated, but just very uh uh likable, very very. It doesn't go to like dark places. I mean, you know, this is this yeah. this is a genre of film where I suddenly have the magic ability to move objects with my mind. And the only thing I want to do with it is to um look at titties. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like like um you know, talking about like Chronicle where they really explore the idea of what teenage boys would actually do with this power. Yeah, you know, it's almost it's again wholesome, you know. Yeah, it's, this, it's, like it's, a,
0: pretty, it's pretty innocent. Like even even in this one, he's using his power he's not using his powers in a lecherous way. I mean, he's using it to get back at the people who've wronged him. Like right. the, the, the the main uh stuck-up girl, uh, Maria McCon as Amanda. She's just using him to make her boyfriend jealous, and he mm-hmm. gets that fairly early on, and he uses his powers to embarrass her and him. Uh, he uses his powers during the race twice. There's one point where one of his friends is in the mud pit or whatever, and the jock brings two girls in bikinis to distract him, and he makes her bikinis fly off. And then there's the sort of uh, i guess horse pull kind of thing where he's right. trying to and he makes the the girls' uh, bikini bottom fly off um so he he's using it to get revenge on people like even in the end there where they get the itching powder and everybody and and stuff like that it, it, it's it's made to punish the people who have wronged them it's it's not some pervert running around like leering in windows and making girls clothes fly off you know for whatever
1: but there is a dark indie comedy version of this that I'd love to see where it's like um you know where they where like rain Wilson or somebody gets this power <laughs> and he uses it to like you know go and like look at 17 year old girls in their underwear and stuff yeah no I, you know I really again this one is really enjoyable I think it the, the uh Zapped again is probably easier to kind of watch in one sitting
0: it is yeah um,
1: it's it's uh it's a lot it moves pretty well it moves pretty fast um it is very uh, formulaic and and it's definitely not something that uh is gonna change your life but it's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun um the other big moment that I remember from this film is the um where uh smart kevin is uh he's talking to the italian sub and he says uh you know uh how do you say an it italian uh you know, is your clam ready for my linguini? Mm. And her response is essentially, uh, to parry it right back at him. Now the real question is, is your linguine ready for my clam?
0: And that Which was is, that was Karen Black. That was Karen yes, Black. genre star Karen Black, yeah.
1: Which, you know, for me again, it's just one of those like taking the female sexual agency and and trying to get again like this guy is supposed to be like fifteen or sixteen years old. Like at one point mm-hmm. he says, I can't wait to get my driver's license. So that's why yeah. The actor looks like he's like twenty five. But you know, this is supposed to be kind of a young guy. And, you know, you 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 take him, you know, he's being a smart ass and he's gonna grow up and he's actually pretty mature. I think one of my mm-hmm. favorite scenes in the movie is the one where he goes on the date with the the hot girl and he essentially says, Well yeah, but your boyfriend doesn't treat you very well and this you know, the the meathead that, you know, buys you all these gifts and stuff, he really treats you better, and, you know, essentially she ends up dating that guy, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, helping to make, you know, even the people who are kind of the the quote-unquote bad people in this film are kind of, like, he, he looks upon them with empathy, which I think is, again, just really, you know, it's a thing that doesn't have to be in the film. It's a thing that, um, you know, nobody was going to this film for, like, mm-hmm. a, a, like, kind of honest look at relationships, but I think there is this kind of, like, very adult, Slightly mature, like interesting bit, buried in the center of this,
0: you know, titty comedy, and I and I like to highlight that stuff when it's there because it, yeah, it no, was, go ahead. I was just gonna say yeah, there's 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 a lot more depth to his character than this movie deserves. I mean, let's put it that way. Like he like he there there is a lot more heart in this movie than one would think going right, you know, just from the start, like, oh, this is a movie about girls' clothes flying off, but no, there's actually, it, it actually treats it in a semi-mature way, even though it's just a dumb comedy, so, you know.
1: Right, right. I mean, at one point, he, he almost literally says, you know, I don't like bullies, no matter, you know, no, no, no matter who they're picking on, I don't like bullies, you know, he's yeah. like, I stand up for, I stand up for my friends, and I make sure that nobody has to eat shit, you know, yeah. um, which is uh you know, kind of a, it's a, kind of a hero moment, it's kind of <laughs> a, you know, um, again, way better than the uh, movie that's basically designed to show you very ultimately tame. You know, yeah. in the 2015 context, you know, this is ridiculously tame. Yeah. Um, you know, like nobody is gonna like buy this just to be like, oh, I can't wait to see some tits. Like you can get on the internet right now. Listen <laughs> to this podcast. Tits are only a click away. Um, I really enjoyed Zapped again. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed rewatching it. It was uh, it was a lot of fun and uh, I don't know, where, where would you um, rank these three? Like,
0: uh, zapped, zapped again is way better. Uh, they would be the top for me. Uh, then I'd go Zapped, because Zapped, although it's very much more tame than Zapped. Again, it, like we said before, it, it has really cool sequences, and it it has some writing and some thought behind it. And Ski Patrol is incredibly derivative and incredibly tame for the genre it's supposed to be in. Like it, it's the tail end, pretty much, of this sort of genre, and it's easily forgotten and deservedly forgotten because it doesn't do anything.
1: The Wikipedia article for ski patrol is a stub, and I think that's all we have to do <laughs> yeah, like, pretty much. Um but uh Feig is in it and uh, mm-hmm. he's awesome and he gets to uh get with the uh, the hot uh vaguely uh European chick.
0: Um, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, you know, there's that. Uh, you know, who again shows sexual agency in that she pursues him. So, Yeah, she's you know.
0: she's yeah, she's attacking him. She's like yeah, uh, there's one scene there where she is like, I've been wanting to ask for your permission for so long to, you know, basically jump your bones, <laughs> and then she does,
1: <laughs> which is awesome.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, any more
1: thoughts about um, any of these? No no uh,
0: but uh, a lot of fun revisiting these films definitely and uh, I look forward to the next couple episodes uh, where we uh, revisit even more of these films because uh, uh, like like I was telling you uh, off offline um, there's definitely several films in my collection that I wanted to do some podcasts about and I'm actually excited now that we can actually do some about them like the uh, some of the sort of proto, sex comedies from the late 70s, early 80s and stuff like that that we'll, we'll oh, yeah, get into. Def- so.
1: Definitely interested, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think you've got a list and I've got a list and we've, mm-hmm. we've been comparing a lot of notes offline about, like, which films we want
0: to cover. So we'll probably just do some grab-bagging here for a little yeah, while. And, uh, yeah. have some fun with it. Awesome. Um, so, uh... Tell everyone about your awesome Doctor Who podcast.
1: The awesome one, or the? Oh no, no, you're talking. Okay, the one that I do. Okay, no, the one you um, do. Yes, the. Awesome oh, okay, not the awesome one. All right, sorry. <laughs> uh, bad joke. Um, no, I. Uh, if you want to listen to me talk about um things that don't have explicit nudity in it, um, but are better than the Ski Patrol uh, <laughs> most of the time. Uh, you can uh, listen to the uh, podcast I do with my wife uh, about Doctor Who. We do classic and new series. So we've been looking through a lot of companions and uh, a lot of attractive ladies in the companions. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, we uh, look at kind of a lot of the same stuff that I talked about here, you know, kind of like looking at some of this stuff through modern eyes and modern values and um, deciding what works and what doesn't. And uh, I, It's a lot of fun. And uh, we're almost to the Tom Baker era where we're going to start talking about Sarah Jane Smith. Um, uh, we're going to do a little bit of uh, we're going to do a new series Uh, we're going to kind of take a break from the classic we're doing a new series soon but uh, the episode that will go up that will probably be up by the time this airs is actually the Time Warrior which is Sarah Jane Smith's first story um, and the first uh, Centauran story if you're a Dr. Who fan you know what that means if not then you don't give a shit but (laughs) if you're a Dr. Who fan I hope you go and listen to our podcast it's a lot of fun
0: Definitely, it's an excellent podcast, so you should check it out. Uh, So, yeah, uh, people want to leave comments and stuff. uh, The little trailer in the end is going to give you all the information you need to know. Uh, We definitely, definitely encourage comments, uh, positive or negative. We want to engage people. We want to know we have a fan base. We want to talk to people because this is what this podcast is all about, talking to people, talking about movies, and having fun. Thank you very much, Daniel. Uh, Thanks for suggesting this topic. Uh, We're going to do several episodes uh, involving sex comedies, so... um very excited to get into the next couple episodes, and uh, yes, uh, thanks, thanks Daniel for uh, for joining me tonight, and uh, thank you everyone for listening. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Yeah. Oh, and uh, did you have any music you wanted to pick for the end here? The only thing I thought of is that you should totally throw on
1: the song from Zapped Again, which plays in the closing credits.
0: Um, it well, it, it shall be done
1: <laughs> <laughs> because it's kind of awesome. <laughs>
0: Yeah. All right, guys. Bye-bye.
1: It's that. Try this at home. We're trained professionals.
0: Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For our other episodes, links to Daniel, Paul, and Lee's other stuff, and links to some great podcasts of similar interest, visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can leave us comments on the site or directly email us. We listen and respond to everything. Thank you. Drive through.